0: And welcome to another episode of Flynn's Talk. I'm Jeremy and joined with me is Mr Jack. Hello, mate. Nice to uh, be here again with you. It is a pleasure. What have we got on the episode today? Uh, well, it's been
1: an interesting time, of course, with uh, coronavirus pandemic breaking out. And uh, we thought it'd be a good time as any to, to talk about how we stay connected and um, We're obviously physically distancing um, from our loved ones and friends and colleagues. um, It doesn't mean we can't still be socially connected, Boz.
0: Well, that's it. I mean, the hot word of the sort of coronavirus crisis is social distancing, but that's it sort of sends the wrong message. It's more more about physically distancing yourself from other people but still staying socially connected and still having that support with your friends, with your family, with whoever it is.
1: That's just it. I think at first... With the initial reaction to, to make sure that people kept away from each other um, while we were working through what was essential and not essential and how workplaces would adapt and where people would work from and where the kids would go and how they'd still get their education, the socially social distancing tag was thrown out there and I think it took a little bit of time for us to realize that that wasn't fully appropriate, that we needed to acknowledge that we were separated in in our homes just like you and I are, Jez, and we're um just doing this all via zoom calls which have become a very common thing um and we're having our guests guests come on uh, the same way so even for us it's it's a way that we've been able to stay connected and and um and involved and of course we aren't out there um walking and talking at the moment with with our flint's walk events but we'll look to get those up and running again uh, as soon as we can so part of that has been um, our involvement with are okay um, who, who do some amazing work with uh, continuing conversations around mental health and breaking down stigma. So um excited for our conversation today, Jez.
0: Yeah, I really am. I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be quite a fruit, fruitful conversation. We have some really exciting guests being Catherine Newton, who's the CEO of RUOK, and Sandy Ray, who is a practicing psychologist. And I think they're both going to offer lots of good insights into how we can cope ourselves in the current crisis and how we can look out for our friends and family i'll fire up the zoom machine
1: <music> jez excited to welcome two very special guests uh, to this episode of flynn's talk sandy ray is a practicing psychologist and as seen on tv excited to be able to say that with the little label added in there uh, she's a regular contributor on the Today Show on Channel 9, as, uh, as well as across online platforms and, and radio. Sandy, welcome to Flynn's Talk.
2: Uh, thank you very much for having me. I'm excited for the conversation.
1: And speaking of conversations, uh, a conversation can change a life, uh, which is Iok's OK?'s uh, catch cry or motto, if you like. And Catherine Newton is their CEO and joins us as well.
3: Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to it. Catherine
1: I was talking just earlier, I touched on about how a conversation can change a life and, and are you okay, um, pretty much, I suppose, live and breathe by, by that motto, um, which is fantastic. At the moment, how are we making sure and how are you okay making sure um, we're still able to have those meaningful conversations, even though we can't be face to face necessarily?
3: Absolutely, you know what a time to be asking, "Are you okay?" And indeed, noticing that someone um, is likely not going to be okay, or, or a variation of not okay, at the moment, and how we can change the way in which we ask it. So, at the moment, um, you know, with the with the pivot that everyone has 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 been living through, it's absolutely rather than I think as a mental health and suicide prevention sector, we came um, together very early on to say that, you know, let's change the narrative rather than calling it social distancing, it's physical distancing with social connections. We're human beings. We need that social connection. You know, our brains light up in different ways when we connect with people and we know that feeling of connection and belonging is so important when we when we see or converse with people that we know we trust and care about, and sometimes, indeed, it might be, um, you know, a friendly way from someone, and just that eye contact that can make such a difference. And I think it's about acknowledging at the moment that whilst we are physically distanced, we can still hop on Zoom, we can still pick up the phone, we can still SMS, um, we can still notice changes in people's online behaviour as well. That's always a, a big cue, and we can still make that effort, regardless of how long we've got, um, to say, "How are you doing right now? How are you traveling?
0: Yeah, that's a really good point even about noticing online presence, which a lot of people which a lot of people don't really think about. They think that you sort of need to be face to face with someone to notice what their what their mood is, what they're how they're feeling. But you can get those subtle cues from even a Zoom call, from even a even a chat on Facebook. You can you can still get those cues to sort of understand that someone maybe isn't doing so well.
3: Absolutely. You're right. Um are you okay works best when you know someone. So it works best when you know their routine, you know their behaviour, you know their likes and their dislikes. And of course, social media does have its challenges, but what it can also do is give us cues as to what people are thinking or feeling. So, you know, having a look at what are they posting? What images are they using? What tone, what words are they using? Perhaps they're posting more or less. Perhaps they're responding more and perhaps they're not responding. So sometimes social media can be a force for good and that way to connect and, you know, nothing can really, um, you know, be any better than having that face-to-face connection. You see that body language. You can, you have more of that opportunity to really um, have more of that gut instinct. However, of course, that you know, we when we do know people well, we we know their behaviours, we know their routines, we know their voices. So it's still a time to be able to look out for those you care about, those you work alongside, and to spot if something's not travelling or just not, not feeling quite so right to you, remembering this is about them, not about you. So it's just anything you notice that's just out of the norm.
0: Yeah, exactly right. Sandy, we don't really know. I mean, we're, we're only a couple of months into staying at home and into the corona crisis, and we don't really know what the sort of the full extent of people's mental health and what this is going to bring in terms of people's well-being. Is there, like, how do we keep calm? How do we carry on through of all of this?
2: Look, I think I was on Channel Nine News uh, oh, about four or five weeks ago, and it was introduced as having a, a wave of what was going to have a mental health crisis. And I got a barrage of Twitter comments saying, don't scare us all. Don't talk like that. What are you doing? And I went, hello, the crisis is already here. And I think it's really important to remember that when we go to bed tonight, six men will have taken their lives and be in the morgue tonight, two women tonight. So the crisis is well here. We have eight people taking their lives every single day let alone people who self-harm, who you know, are chronically depressed, who are isolated, who don't have the social connections that Catherine was talking about and the need for that connectedness and belongingness. So I think we need to unpack and go, it's not just because of the coronavirus that now we are having a mental health epidemic. The other thing that I'm, I'm curious about, it not curious about, but I've tried to inform people a little bit more about, is we're... You know, Beyond Blue talks about one in four Australians suffer from depression or anxiety, or they talk about anxiety, and there's a huge increase in anxiety. And what we have noticed, what has been a lot of discussion, has been people being crying, feeling hopeless, feeling that they haven't prepared enough for their future. And it probably is part anxiety, but I think what has not been talked about is another mood disorder that people are experiencing, and that's called that this is called reactive depression so when you have a particular stressor facing you you may have had in inverted commas really good mental health prior to the coronavirus but you've got this new experience which has not really prepared you for what is unfolding inside you so and i I think when when you when people say i don't want to have labels for mental health but it's a great way when you have a label it gives people a lot of comfort so it's a bit like having um an infection and i often give an analogy to, to my patients and say that every day I clean this infection, I I put disinfectant on it or antiseptic, then I put a Band-Aid on it, and then it's still not getting well. And at some point, we have to identify the underlying source of that infection, that at some point we go, oh, hang on, I might need an antibiotic. And once we have that platform, once we have that assessment, we go, oh, great, this is what we do. And same with mental health. Once we have an assessment or understanding of what is going on inside of us, the pathway is a lot clearer. So people have been struggling a lot with, I never used to suffer anxiety. I don't understand what's going on with me. But in fact, a lot of it is actually reactive depression. And the great news of that is it is only situational. It's a direct response for this COVID environment and all the stresses that have accompanied it, unemployment, children at home, um, uh, financial management or economic future, what is the future going to look like for me? All things being equal, it's a great result of what's going to happen to you. Because if you have had fairly good mental health prior to the COVID virus, you're feeling teary, you're feeling hopeless right now, you will get through it. We will work together and you will find that you have this Uh, resource inside you to say, you know what? I can pivot my life. I need to get through it. I will get through it. So I'm just trying to give listeners a a reinforcement that it's okay to be teary. It's okay to be sad. It's called reactive depression. A lot of us are going through it. Many of us are going through it. We understand why. And the prognosis is really fantastic.
0: Mm, I love it. That's a great message.
1: Sandy, you've got a, a great way of distilling that down. In what is such a complex landscape, to two words that people can take away and go, ah, oh, that's what's happening in my head at the moment.
2: Yeah, it's, and it's terribly empowering when you go, ah, oh, I'm not on my own here. Ah, oh, so this is what's going on. It's not anxiety. I mean, for a lot of people, it will be anxiety, but there is also this mood disorder, as I said, called reactive depression. And it's a really and I think when you do understand what's going inside yourself, it really is liberating. Because, you know, you've got a label, we understand the pathway and it's a great outcome.
1: Love it. Catherine, for you as, um, and with the RUOK network, you're really seeing, or personally I see you as a real hub of information and a place that people can go. Are you seeing an influx of, of people coming to the IOOK resources, looking for somewhere to go, looking for a bit more information.
3: We are indeed. In March, we've seen a forty percent increase to our website traffic, and also the resources available on our down, um, to be able to download. And as you know, Jack, um, you know RUOK's work is that we provide free resources. We don't want any barriers to having this conversation. We know that people might be a bit, you know, a bit worried, a bit fearful, a bit anxious about asking someone if they're okay when it's quite likely the answer is no. So if we can take down those barriers, provide things in really simple, clear formats that are for free, then that will empower more people to be able to jump on and see, you know what, I'm. I've got this, I've got what it takes to do this and to lend support and to Sandy's point, you know, it's, it's, it's okay for us all to be feeling this way and are you okay is talking to the people that are well and able. We're talking to the people that are okay. You have to be okay yourself before you can support anyone and don't feel bad about that if you just don't have the headspace or the energy right now to be looking out for people but we're asking the people that are feeling good, that are feeling comfortable and that are feeling calm to, to reach out because you've got your eyes to notice that something's not quite right you've got your ears to listen and you've got your mouth to to encourage some action help find you know work through talk it through sometimes people just need to talk as I'm sure Sandy um, to, you know, will tell you tenfold that quite often people just need to talk. They need someone to listen. It doesn't always have to end up in professional support. It doesn't always end up um, in crisis or a mental illness, for example. People need to be able to say what's on their chest without judgment and to not be rushed or interrupted. And that's what we're trying to focus on right now.
1: Yeah, actually, an interesting thing that I've thought about, and, and it's and you do kind of check in and go, how am I feeling today? And am I okay? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm going to check in with Jez. I'm going to ask Jez how he's going and make sure but um, I've got people in my own family network that I that I feel that I need to check in regularly with because, you know, they're, they're going through their own their own struggles. Um, how often is too often to check in though, Catherine, like it can feel like oh, my God, I just checked in with Sandy and she's probably going to go, oh, for God's sake, would Jack leave me alone? I'm fine. (laughs) He's stalking
2: me, for God's
3: sake. Um, you know, and I'm. i Sometimes I ask, well, if I want to have, well, if I want to ask someone, are you okay? How long do I need to put in my diary? And it's almost like it's, it's an You know, I can't answer the, that question. But what I will say is, okay, when, you know, how often do you need to check in? I would say that it's to trust your gut instinct and to and to think about what they're going to need right now. I always say this is about them, not about you. So, if you're thinking that you had a really big chat, um, one day, you know, people. People will either, you know, need to let things process or they're going to want to check in, you know, they're going to want another chat. So what you could do the next day is to say, hey, really enjoyed that chat. That was really good to hear what's going on for you. Um, let me know if you want to chat again or you want to, um, you know, go through any of the things we spoke about. Otherwise, I'll give you a call in a couple of days or next week and see how they respond to that. You know, you could, you're, what you're always doing is trying to, you know, get the cues from them as to when And how is a good, safe, comfortable time um, for them to open up and speak. Now, of course, sometimes people are going to say, I'm fine, I'm fine. And you're going to get that denial. And it's, and it's um, you know, Sandy, I think I've um, heard from other psychologists that sometimes it can take, you know, up to seven years for people to, to reach out for a professional support, to take that first step to say, you know, I need help. And that can be frustrating for the person who's asking. That could be frustrating for the friend or family member. But it's about what, what they need and for you to keep reinforcing the pathways, have you thought about this? Have you thought about talking to the doctor? Have you thought about giving Lifeline a call? And so, you know, kind of in answer to how do you how do you know, it's, it's, there's not a hard and fast rule. It's about looking for the cues. And if they keep on telling you that they're fine, a great way to be able to open up the conversation further, having those open-ended questions, is to say, well, it's just that I've been noticing this. So point out what you've noticed, point out the signal and the signs that you're seeing that are making you concerned. And saying, and on the other hand, you're telling me that you're okay and that you're fine. These two just are not marrying up for me right now. So I'd love to talk to talk about it. But if you don't feel comfortable talking to me, then is there somebody else, you know, maybe a brother, a manager, another colleague, another friend. So it's about really looking for those cues, listening to your gut and figuring out what's best for them.
0: Yeah, that's really good. And I think also assuming assuming that people don't necessarily have a support that they can fall back on. Like, even if you've got a house full of people, you may not feel comfortable talking to anyone in your house and that it may take a friend or a colleague or whoever you are to reach out to someone and to be that support that makes the connection.
3: Absolutely right. Because sometimes when we're not okay, we think that we're hiding it really well. We think we've got our mask on and we think we're hiding it. And when someone we care about says, Hey, this is what I've noticed or, you just don't see yourself. Is everything okay? It gives us that sense of, I do belong to someone. I, I, someone is connecting with me. Someone's trying to reach out. And whilst I might not feel ready right now to say, you know what, no, I'm not okay. The next time he or she asks me, maybe that'll be the time where I do let that mask down, where I do let my guard down and say, no, I'm not. This is where I'm feeling right now.
0: And Sandy, we're talking about checking in with other people but it's also it's also just as important to sort of check in with yourself and to know how you're doing on any given day and even any given hour are there important things that people can do to sort of know themselves to make their routine a bit better
2: well i think part of the whole COVID thing what's come to light, is the importance of self-care and you know mental health is a really tricky area because unlike physical health if you've got a broken leg we can see it and everyone can wrap their arms around it and go oh let me help you get out of the car here's your crutches and here's your wheelchair or whatever and you know it's very visible and tangible but with mental health whilst there's many support networks and, and many ways of caring for people ultimately it falls on your shoulders what goes on in your head you know and that's a really difficult process as many people would know but good mental health I mean there's there's many things that we can talk about, but there's three, I guess, essentials or four essentials that people really need to, to learn to have, I guess, a self-discipline about. I used to work in the um, in Barwon prison, the maximum security men's prison, and in the remand one in Spencer Street. And a lot of the men would come in very, cha- and I'm giving, just giving a bit of a story here, the men would come in from very chaotic, dysfunctional, fractured environments. And the one, and, and you know, drug affected, and multiple drugs and medications and one thing that we used to do is we used to put them on valium and put them to and let them stay in the cell for about 23 hours because what we know and that calmed all their moods down and they would sleep and what we found was that as simple as the task of that sleep is one of the best mood stabilizers we can get And we often know that when we're feeling disturbed or depressed or anxious that our sleep patterns become quite chaotic and it becomes this real spiral of depression and anxiety and then we can't self-soothe or self-regulate our behaviour. So one of the first things I would say when people are feeling distressed is try and work out Good sleep patterns, and I know that's hard because you go, I'm distressed, I'm anxious, I'm disturbed, I'm a chaotic. How do I sleep? But try and, and try and start to get good sleep hygiene, and this is again, this goes to the core of, of I guess, a self-discipline of self-care. So good sleep, trying to get some exercise in, trying to get some reasonably good-quality food in, and and support networks around you, as what Catherine has talked about. Is there someone who you can actually talk to who you can refer to who you have a connection to who where there is a little bit of belonging because we know that also loneliness is an epidemic and loneliness is very different to being alone uh, alone a lot of people choose to be alone and, and perfectly content but loneliness is very very different it's where you don't feel that anyone cares it's where you don't feel that you recognize or you don't have a tribe that you can refer to and People often say, well, you know, if I just tap on, you know, knock on their front door, ring them up and say, hey, how are you going? That's actually not enough. When you want to belong, it's a reciprocity in a relationship. So it means that someone has to be meaningful for that person not to feel alone. So I want to be, ma- I want to be mindful that it's not just this sort of, hey, how are you going? It actually has to be a value to the recipient. It has to be a two way relationship. So, you know, we want to counter, and, you know, loneliness. And I guess psychological uh, and emotional uh, disturbances by checking in and saying, How, what can we set up for this person? You know. So, and, and, and also guarding ourselves with, as I said before, good sleep, good exercise, good food and social support. And I know that is very difficult for so many people. But they're the sort of cornerstones that we can talk about in terms of uh, mental health.
0: And I think the fact is that a lot of people probably haven't actually taken the time to sit down and to figure out who their supports are, whether it be friends, family, colleagues, who they can actually rely on. And I think that's, mm. especially in this time, it's an important thing to mm. do.
2: Absolutely. You know, and there are many people who, you know, as we know, and certainly you who know, you work with, Jeremy, who are truly alone. They don't have a they don't have a family who they can refer to they don't have a, a strong social network that they can refer on and often their, their networks that they belong to are equally very frank, uh, disenfranchised and fragmented so it becomes a very crippling um, mental health area for these sorts of you know people who you in in the field that you're working with um, and it's all and it's all very privileged talking about, isn't it? It's a very privileged position talking about self-care of you know good good exercise, good sleep, good food. and I'm well aware it's a very middle class notion, you know and it's not for a lot of people. it's not it's it's quite unreasonable to talk like that. however, I guess for for my part, all I can do is offer a very generalized view of of mental health and how and ways that we can approach it.
1: It's interesting too, because I think um Throughout this, you're you're feeling different on different days and 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 I've personally had a stand down from my own work. So that's been something I've had to had to deal with over the last kind of ten days, just getting my head around that. Um and then my girlfriend is still working BAU, you know, business as usual as as it is. So it's been an interesting um we've sort of dosy doed on different days around how we how we each feel about the scenario. And I think Laura's even uh, my partner she's even carried that differently on different days to me um just in terms of whether you're whether the glass is half full or half empty um the other thing where i was kind of going with that is that you can find yourself i suppose going ah don't be silly snap out of it you you kind of self-triage a little bit and you go nah there'll be someone worse than me that's got the 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 better ticket at the deli to go first so i should just stand back and, and i'll be okay but um i suppose the point of that is like um that doesn't mean you can't ask, Catherine.
3: Yeah, I think it's, um, it's it's quite common, isn't it, for us to think, oh, you know, there's, there's always people worse off than me. It's okay, you know, the, I'll, I'll just let them get the help and I'll let them get them what they need. But it's all about prevention. It's all about getting in early. It's about helping to stop small things becoming big things. Because the closer we are to a crisis, the more... People are involved, the more distressing it is. Um, and so, if we can be all the way back, right at the beginning of our own self care or caring for someone else, and of course, like, Sadie, like Sandy, I appreciate that sometimes we can't help those crises from coming. Sometimes it is complex and enduring mental illness. Sometimes it is long term isolation and loneliness. And I absolutely acknowledge that. Um, but we can still be there for them. And I think the really key thing here is judgment it's, it's having, not having any judgment. So how you're feeling at the moment, Jack, you know, I've no judgment on you, that, you're, you know, that you might be feeling that way and that you're, you, know, you're, you might be behaving differently and your partner is still working and you might be going through a few wobbly days. Of course, that's absolutely normal and absolutely fine. And I'm hoping that through this, we can start to look at those people who are lonely, who do have that complex and mental illness as I've, as I've mentioned, that we can have less judgment towards this, that we are human. We all go through things. We can't stop life's ups and downs. We all still grieve. We, ha- we have work pressures. We have financial pressures. We become parents. Life gets changed upside down. We have study pressures. Life happens to all of us. And if we can be non-judgmental, if we can think about it's okay for me to need some help right now or it's okay for that person to be struggling right now, then what I hope to see is that we'll start to see bit more empathy and a bit less stigma
1: yeah nice well put um and then to, to, to sort of change tack a little bit um maybe talk about some of the ways people are connecting um that are different in this time somewhat ironically we're here chatting on zoom today um which has become this global phenomenon zoom some some hundred million New users in the last couple of weeks, apparently, but um, they're not a, yeah. they're not a sponsor, um, but we'll just they've become almost a household name like a pyro. Um, my point. Zoom, Zoom. If you want to sponsor us, we're here. Yeah, that's it. We'll happily, <laughs> happily take a, a premium uh package for free. Um, I digress a little bit. Um, the point of that is, Sandy, I'm actually I'm a bit drained by Zoom meetings. I actually haven't had as many Zoom meetings in my life up to this point until the last couple of weeks or last six weeks. Am I, is that insensitive of me to be like, Oh, God, not another zoom call?
2: No, not at all. Yeah, Not, not at all. I, I agree with you. I mean, on one hand, it was quite novel. I thought, oh, good. you know, Going on zoom, I just walk out my study door and the job's done. Fantastic. I mean, I was saving hours and driving and doing things, but you know, it really is exhausting doing. And, I, and um, I talked to Shelley Horton. We did a thing up at channel nine on nine honey about this. Yeah, I saw it. And yeah. part of it is it, it's quite, it's quite difficult because it's, not, it's hard work, A, because you can't sort of turn around and look away and move out of. You, you, when you're on a Zoom meeting, you have to be focused. You know, you are talking to that person, but it's an unnatural dialogue because you, you talk, then there's silence. Then you talk, and there's silence. So it, it's a really unnatural interaction, and it really is exhausting because you also can't have that time out. You know, because everyone, every, and especially if you've got a, a number of people, everyone's watching someone at some point. So that I'm, I'm totally with you. It is quite exhausting. Zora, it's great for a three or four minute chat, but after that, I, I did an eight, eight hour CPD, you know, um, continuing professional development, and uh, last week, and it was I was just about brain dead by about one o'clock. I was just gone. I'm out of here. You know, it was exhausting. I just very quickly, can I squeeze in something, you know, both on the back of what Catherine talked about and what you did, Jack? Two things. was One is about grief, that a lot of people will be feeling and experiencing grief. And we used to think of grief as going in lockstep fashion. That's just completely old hat. Can I just tell everybody there is no such thing as stages of grief? It doesn't exist and it was never meant to be interpreted in that way at first instance. You highlighted it, Jack. You said some days are good, some days are bad. And the grief of losing a job, or economics, and because you know, of course, a lot of money brings us choice and freedom and planning for our future. When that's gone, there is a lot of grief. And we look at grief now as going in waves. So some days you're riding pretty good, and then there's a trigger, there's a sound, there's an op, there's something has occurred in your life, and you plummet down. And I think you talked about just a moment ago about good days. You know, and all of a sudden you're sort of down again. So that is a normal grief reaction. And the other quick thing I want to talk about is post-traumatic growth. I don't know if anyone of you have heard about that. But as a result of pivoting and experiencing the outcomes of of COVID, that we find things inside ourselves that we never thought existed. So, you know, the resilience, the courage, the bravery, the adaptability, the flexibility. And I can't emphasise enough how exciting and positive that is. As humans, we are largely flexible we're adaptive we grow from our experiences and there'll be many people who go wow how the hell i didn't know i could do that i didn't know that about myself you know and you know so much literature talking about resilience how do i make my children resilient how do i here we go here's how we do it we're live in situ you know what do i need to do Uh, you know
1: (laughs) (laughs) i think i've got that book I've got that book here somewhere, yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly, you know. (laughs) You know, life will get back and it might be a new normal. This isn't our normal right now. It's terribly important for people, you know, to have that in their bandwidth, that this isn't normal. This is a part of our life, but this is not what we're doing as normal. But what do we get out of it? Well, we may have lost our job, but at some point we have to be able to reinvent how we're going to be a normal life whether they go back to tape, whether it's doing an online course, whether it's um, getting a new licence or something, I don't know. But at some point we will all have to track back into developing a normal. And this is the gorgeousness of human beings and what I've loved doing psych for so many years is that I love seeing this strength, this adaptability, this flexibility because people are very, very courageous by and large. And, you know, rather than talk purely on the, on the doom and gloom, It's a wonderful thing, the idea of post-traumatic growth and look at yourself and take time to look at yourself about what are are the strengths in my character? What do I need to rejig to get my life back into? And this is an out time because when when all the restrictions are lifted, it's going to be, well, okay, let's start playing now. What are we going to do?
0: And I think that's a great, that's sort of a great sort of thing to end on. That's a nice positive note that even though, People may be struggling. There's a lot of people who are feeling uncertain and unsure That is, it it can be an opportunity for growth. It can be an opportunity to sort of find yourself and find out what's really important to you. Catherine, just before we head off, was there anything you would sort of heard of, experienced in the last few weeks or a month that can bring a positive light, light to this whole thing?
3: Yeah, I think on the subject of the, of the Zoom exhaustion meetings, what we've been doing in our team is we've been asking each other how do we, how do we feel like we want to communicate today or this week. So, for example, some of the team like um, using Microsoft Teams and Instant Messenger, some of them like SMS, some of them are like in Zooms. So whilst, of course, we have our, um, our team meetings still via Zoom, there are other ways that we can connect. And sometimes it is about asking what's good for you, you know, and not assuming that you know or that we all like and get the same energy in in and out as as other people. And I think just Sandy's closing points there were just absolutely brilliant and, um, you know, completely on board with that. And what I've been hearing is it's about what we can do not what we can't do it's about what we can control not what we can't control so um yeah thank you so much for the chat and i hope that this um this helps people understand what they're feeling and and why and to know that it's okay to be feeling that way and that others are going to be feeling um similar and that it's okay to to say hey how are you doing how are you traveling how are you getting through this
0: Excellent. Well, that's a lovely message to end on. And thank you both so much for taking time out of your day to chat to us. It's it's really been a pleasure.
2: Thank you so much, Jeremy and Jack. It was wonderful. Really enjoyed it. Thank you.
1: Fantastic to chat to Catherine and Sandy Jez. And, and they both bring unique perspectives, but important ones uh, around staying connected. Sandy, obviously, Dealing with clients on a daily basis, and and Catherine leading the charge there with "Are you okay?" Of course, um, probably just a roundup as we as we close, Jez, that the four steps um, for the "Are you okay?" process, which um, I guess process or conversation start, however you'd like to look at it. Um, of course, it's asking "Are you okay?" and it's, it's knowing how to how to do that, and 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 uh, just just be there for someone to say, "Hey, how are you going?" And and if and if you get a minimal response or maybe not the response you were expecting, um, it's it's being able to, to ask again or, or ask another question um, to potentially get more out of the person that, that you're asking, then of course, it's listen and it's listen without judgment and really make sure that it, it's it's not about you in that circumstance. It is about the person you're asking. So, if you're going to ask, make it genuine um, and, and make sure you're listening. Encourage some action and you don't have to be a professional to encourage action, you really can just suggest to someone that maybe they've stopped going for their daily run um, at the moment, but you could suggest that they they get back into that um, because that's something that that makes up their day and makes up their routine. Um, it can be that be that small, uh, and then the fourth part to that is the check in, um, follow up, and and actually see how how the person went um, with with the action that you that you encouraged them to do. The check in can also be the the next asking, "Are you okay?" Um, and you can see whether there's been an improvement or not um, with their situation. So, the four steps are, I think, quite simple, um, and something that I, that that I that I've done with people that I know, um, and I'm sure you have as well, Jez.
0: Yeah, I think it's a really important thing to to end on to know how to how to reach out and how to help someone when you feel like they're not doing their best, they're not doing all right. Um, and and it's also really one of the really important things I got from that conversation was. To be not judgmental, to even though someone may say something you don't agree with, you don't necessarily understand or like, it's not about you. It's about being a support for them and trying to get them the help they need. And that's it. Like it can
1: be about them this time, and next time around, it might be about you because it might be them asking exactly. you. Um, exactly. Yeah. And even just, just a, a small act like sending someone a text message to, uh, see how they're going or um, I've even sent a, a mate of mine just a couple of silly memes um, with stuff that I know he, that might give him a smile, just knowing that he's not working at the moment. So that's nice and, and you get a thumb, a thumb reaction back or a laugh or, or even another gif to, to reply so, um, yeah, or jif, however it's it. pronounced. <laughs> Jez also, uh, as always, not just during this time, but there's always support available um, in different forms.
0: That's it, if after this episode you, if it's brought up anything with you or just generally, um, jump onto You OK? They've been a really great support for us. They have lots of great tools. There's also Beyond Blue, there's Kids Helpline, there's Headspace. If you are in a crisis or if you do need urgent help, you can call Lifeline 131 114. You can call the suicide call back service or if it is an emergency, call triple zero. But the main thing is look out for yourself and look out for others.
1: Absolutely. Well said, Jez. Uh, It's been a pleasure chatting to you, as always. And uh, thanks again to Sandy and Catherine for their time. And thanks to Christina, who uh, has worked really closely with us to help get this podcast series going. And, um, And to Dean as well for his introduction to Sandy.
0: Well said. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening.
1: Thanks, all.